We are in a series uh, titled Catch the Wind. It's a study of the Holy Spirit. And the, the uh, title and the graphic are intentional. Uh, we, the Bible says the Holy Spirit blows like a wind. And we've got to remember the Holy Spirit's not just some uh, energy source uh, that we plug into in order to power our lives and our will and our agenda. The Holy Spirit, as Pastor James reminded us week one, is God. One of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, being a person, has a will, has an agenda, is on the move. And so uh, our goal is not to uh, empower the life that we want to live. Rather, it's to uh, allow God to be at work within us to allow God to be moving us the way he wants to and take us where he wants to go. So, uh, thus the image of the sailboat. We, our, our responsibility is to raise the sails and tack into the wind, which is all about ordering your life uh, in such a way that uh, you are in harmony with what God wants to do in you, through you, by the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, this is week three. Last week, we talked about Pentecost, that watershed moment in salvation history where the, the risen, victorious, conquering Lord Jesus receives from the Father the prize of the Holy Spirit, in, and then he pours that uh, gift out on his disciples. And so, Pentecost uh, inaugurated the age of the Spirit before Pentecost, God Holy Spirit worked amongst his people through select representatives. His uh, Holy Spirit would often be upon someone temporarily. And uh, Moses, hundreds of years earlier, said, oh, if, if, if only all of God's people had the Spirit of God upon them. Imagine the difference that would make for the community. Because Moses experienced the radical difference having the Spirit on him, making it made in his life, and he's like, man, if all, what, imagine if all God's people. Well, since Pentecost, all of the people of God have the Holy Spirit, not just on them, but actually indwelling them. Friday, I'm driving with Sabrina, and I was exhibiting tension, frustration, tiredness. And she very lovingly asked, Hey, I uh, think you're filled with the Holy Spirit today? <laughs> Which was really not an actual question. I think she was jabbing me. Just the night before, she'd heard me preach this sermon about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was suspicious that I was not being, at that moment, filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit right now? What does that even mean? How about baptized with the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Am I? Am I not? Can I be? How do I be? What does that look like? What, what would that do for my spiritual life? That's what we're talking about today. 
fact, today I want to talk about two biblical words that describe uh, the Christian's um, relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, not the only words, but these are two critical words, two big ideas. Uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit actually seems to have uh, two meanings, two possible meanings. On one hand, being filled uh, as ha- have being under the control of the Holy Spirit, which is producing sanctification, Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit. And then the other meaning of being filled seems to do with uh, divine empowerment for ministry. So that's what we're going to talk about. Hopefully, uh, these questions that are already tumbling around in your, in your head and heart will be answered. And what, what I hope is I hope that you, there will be some, some security as it relates to this question of are you baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you'll have a confident answer to that question, and there will be an, uh, an awakened desire for filling. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to live a life that where the Holy Spirit is uh, filling my life and really transforming it, making a real difference in my, in my spiritual life. So let's start. Does that interest you? It should. It's interesting. Okay, so we're going to start with baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit or baptism, baptism with the Holy Spirit. These, these are just sort of synonyms. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Somebody might have asked you that. They certainly asked me when I was uh, uh, kind of late teens and early 20s. I, w- I hung around uh, out in the Alaska commercial fishing grounds. Uh, I hung around a, a lot of, um, I would even label them hyper-Pentecostals. That was their theological bent, hyper-Pentecostals. I actually fished with one of them uh, one year. And so I was, I was asked a lot, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Which they were suspicious. The answer was no, because I hadn't spoken in tongues, which that group believed was the physical evidence of having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so there, were, there was even a prayer meeting where they laid their hands on me and they were praying that I would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and um, that I would speak in tongues. And so I really wrestled with this theologically you know, as a young man. And let me just cut to the chase. <laughs> Here is my conclusion after studying this a lot. Uh, if you are a Christian, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as a Christian who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happens in a moment at conversion. All Christians are baptized. In fact, in one of the verses we're going to read, Paul just says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. (laughs) It's just that simple. And... um, but this group that I was interacting with, they, they argued that the Bible taught uh, that baptism in the Holy Spirit was a second blessing the Christian received. So you could become a Christian and then you could live your life without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you actually were missing out significantly because baptism in the Holy Spirit would accelerate your sanctification into Christ's likeness and empower you for ministry. And so, Mike, you're not experiencing all that God wants from you. For you, because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you need to seek that. You don't have it. You need it. Your spiritual life is 
anemic, it's less than. You feel that? I don't know if you've encountered that. But that is a, actually about, um, I just read recently, about a third uh, of Christians in the world, about a third have this theology of the Spirit. About a third of the Christians, and now of course that includes you know, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, everybody. It's a massive group of Christians. Um, and so they, yeah, they believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit as a secondary experience. Let me show you some scriptures as to why I believe it is only uh, that all Christians, or I won't even say it, I'll say, let me show you scriptures that teach baptism in the Holy Spirit happens at conversion. Um, last week we, we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where the Apostle Peter, uh, on Pentecost, uh, says this. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, all of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what's the condition? The condition is repentance and baptism. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, baptism, he's talking there about water baptism, and uh, baptism there, or baptism, I believe, is being, is in the New Testament often synonymous with uh, faith, right? So the, if there's a formula, which there actually kind of is, if there's a formula for salvation in the scriptures, it's repent of your sins, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and God honors that with forgiveness, salvation, indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, now, baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that uh, John uh, the Baptist said Jesus would do. He said, I baptize you with water. One who is greater than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy of tying, he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his, uh, uh, his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until uh, the Holy Spirit comes, and I've, it, which I've told you I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the key verses... Uh, for you to write down. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul's here talking about the Holy Spirit baptizes the Christian into the body of Christ. That's how you become part of the body of Christ, by the Holy Spirit baptizing you. That's how you become united with Christ, by baptism, uh, by, in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes the Christian into union with, with Christ, and therefore accessing all that Christ has for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 uh, here's another, just put in slightly different words, but here, here's what we read. In him you also, talking about Jesus, in Jesus you also, when, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, so when you became a Christian, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's the guarantee of salvation, the fact that you possess the Holy Spirit. Elsewhere, the Scripture says, uh, the Spirit in us 
cries out, Abba, Father, testifying that we are his children. Um, here's one I think is, is very, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. I think it's pretty clear here. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. Paul is writing to the Roman Christians. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, see what he's saying? Uh, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit unless you're not a Christian. And so the Spirit of Christ is, is another description of the Holy Spirit. So to the question of am I baptized in the Holy Spirit, the answer is am I, yes, if you're a Christian. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, then the next step for you is not seeking a secondary blessing. It's get saved. <laughs> it's repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Get baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mentioned last week that the New Testament doesn't seem to know of an unbaptized Christian. It's a clear command, uh, it, it's a clear pattern in the early church that when people believed in Jesus Christ, they got physically baptized. So there are two kinds of baptisms, by the way. Within Christianity, just so there's any, let me clarify, there are two baptisms. Uh, one is baptism in water, which is the picture. I, I was buried with Christ in his death and raised to newness of life, which is a picture of the fact that we are united with Christ by faith. That union has come, up, come about through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So two kinds of baptisms. There's water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit the moment you convert, and hopefully you get water baptized shortly thereafter. Otherwise, you're not in walking in obedience to the clear commands of Christ. So if you are a Christian and you have not yet been water baptized, come talk to me and we will get you scheduled. And we'll bring up a tub and we'll fill it with lukewarm water. Okay, so there's, there is baptism in or baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to talk about filled with, because there's another word the Bible talks about, and it talks about um, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Christians can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. They can be filled with the Holy Spirit to greater or lesser degrees. Temp filling with the Holy Spirit can be temporary. I could be filled with the Holy Spirit on Thursday night while preaching about the Holy Spirit, and then Friday my wife says, hey, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> And, okay, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? So the first type of filling with the Holy Spirit has to do with um, yielding to the Holy Spirit's control in our life so that we are under His influence. The Holy Spirit is calling the shots in our lives. I think one of the greatest pictures of this. It's an analogy the Apostle Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He contrasts being filled with the Holy Spirit with being drunk with wine. And that contrast is intentional because it gets at the real meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we read, do not get drunk with wine for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So when you are drunk with wine, you're 
you are under the influence of the spirits. Little S, right? <laughs> you're under the spirit. You're under the influence of the alcohol. In fact, when people are drunk and they're doing crazy things, we just, we explain it as, oh yeah, he was drunk, or look, look at him, he's drunk. Um, the, there's evidence of drunkenness, and it has to do with a, a, a lack of control, a loss of control, or being under, you know, being controlled by the alcohol and its influence in your life. And it, what does it lead to? It leads to debauchery, is what Paul says. Now, when you are filled with the Spirit, when the Holy, what is it saying? You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's calling the shots in your life. And so it really ought to be, you ought to be able to look at someone, the way they live their life, and you say, that person is filled with the Holy Spirit, because otherwise they wouldn't do the things they do, say the things they say, put their time and energy and money towards the thing that they do, right? There's only one explanation, they are, they are being led by the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so, and because of this, we go, when you go to Acts chapter 6, this is why the apostles could tell the church in Jerusalem, we want you to identify seven men from the congregation who are filled with the Spirit in order to be deacons. So, remember that story, the, the apostles are getting distracted from what they think is their, their core duty. Hey, we need to be focused on preaching the word and prayer, and we're getting, we're getting sidetracked by having to manage the tables, meaning the distribution to the widows in the church. It's sucking up our time and energy, distracting us, so we want you to, to select from yourselves uh, seven men who are going to take this on. And then they tell them, here is what we're looking for. And one of the criteria is, Acts chapter 6, verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And, and uh, there does, they don't seem to have any concerns that they won't be able to find seven guys, right? And obviously, these are men who, are, who say, okay, I'm willing to do it, right? I'm available, I'm willing... Uh, but the assumption is oh, there are going to be more than just seven in the church who are filled with the Spirit. Well, how is the, how is the church supposed to recognize that? How is the church supposed to identify these guys? They look, at the, they look at the fruit in their life, right? They look at the fruit in their life and they say, you know, Gerard, he lives a life that, Gerard's all nervous now, you know, you're a positive example here, Gerard. You know, Gerard, he lives a life that is obviously yielded to the Holy Spirit's control. Because look, right? And it was evident. By your, fruit, by, by your fruits, they'll know you. So a, um, a, a life that is full of the Holy Spirit is a life that uh, is, will, will be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Because when the Holy Spirit is calling the shots in your life, what is produced? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I miss one, Sabrina? Which one? Goodness. Oh, yeah, that, I should work on that one. Goodness. <laughs> 
That's what. Yeah, so, so a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Spirit's work, under the control of the Holy Spirit, is a life that's going to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and actually, the Christian community can recognize that. Hey, by the way, how sweet would it be if you're a wife filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're a child filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a husband filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a co-worker or neighbor filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, the people around you be like, yes. They might even not even realize where that comes from, but they're going to be blessed. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, uh, Paul uses some other language to describe um, what it takes to be filled with the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, walk by the Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So, Paul now uh, contrasts the desires of the flesh, and he's talking there about our sin nature, and even though we've been freed from the power of the sin nature... Its presence remains, and it's constantly clamoring for our allegiance, and um, please satisfy me. Then you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has its desires for us, and, uh, and it's asking for us to um, obey, trust and obey it. He is asking for us to trust and obey Him. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, so walk by the Spirit. Now, if you're led by the Spirit, so that would be the Spirit's in front. The Spirit is showing you the path, and are you going to follow? You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So now he talks about when you are being led by the flesh, when the flesh is calling the shots in your life, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So you can look at a, a person who professes Christ, and frankly, they might even be a Christian, but that's what's characterizing their lives, well, they're, they are not full of the Holy Spirit, they're full of the flesh. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is totally contrary to God's will for you. It's totally contrary to the will of the, uh, the leading of the Spirit. But... The fruit of the Spirit is, and then he goes to give the fruit of the Spirit. So, when you are under the Holy Spirit, uh, when you are full of the Holy Spirit, because you're walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, this is what will be produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Because God, you know, God, God if, if we would truly... Keep in step with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, be full of the Holy Spirit. 
then we wouldn't do anything that God objects to, right? It's amazing. We wouldn't need the law. And that, that, is, that is, happens more and more in a Christian's life. That becomes more and more true of a Christian who is full of the Holy Spirit over time. And that's our future. That is our future where we don't need a law at all because we're completely led by the Holy Spirit and we don't do anything that God objects to. In fact, it, we, are, we are doing what God approves of. And um, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So those are some good thoughts, good words. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That's how, when we do that, we will find ourselves full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the Holy Spirit will be um, powerfully at work in our lives, swiftly transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, which is the path to abundance. You want a better spiritual life? You want a better life? Yield yourself more and more to the Holy Spirit. Two more verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit has wants for you and for me. He wants something in my life. He wants something from me and for me. And I can grieve him. I can disappoint him. I can sadden him when I am not doing what he wants for me and from me. And so, by the way, that statement of don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God is put within this list of things that we are to avoid. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath uh, or anger. Don't, don't give any opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Um, you know, work hard. Be honest. Uh, and Don't be bitter and wrath or angry or clamor or slander. Put them away. Don't have malice. Be kind-hearted to another. So the Holy Spirit, let me just say again, the Holy Spirit is not just some... Um, power source you can plug into to fuel your agenda. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God with a will for you. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Or you can, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can basically snuff out His, uh, his power and work in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 do not quench the Spirit. How do you think about a fire, a flame, right? And you pour water on the flame and you quench it. So, you know, God wants to work in your life and you can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. How do you do that? By failing to trust and obey. By failing to yield. I am talking to myself as much as you. And it doesn't go away. I've been following Jesus for 40 plus years. And I want to do what is right. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single day I have to make choice after choice after choice to do what I know God wants or not. And so, you know... I could preach about being filled with the Holy Spirit on Thursday night and on Friday be walking in the flesh. 
unfortunately, I have a wife who likes to, who very lovingly points that out and calls me back. Amen. Praise God for a, a wife who calls me back to life, to life in the Spirit. You're a Christian, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You are united with Christ. And, and all that Christ ha- is and has is available to you. But we still have a choice to yield or not yield, to quench or not quench, to grieve or not grieve, to resist or, uh, or yield to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And let me t- this is where the Christian life, it's not a mystery. Do you want a, a more vibrant spiritual life or not? It's not a mystery how that comes to pass. You, you know, it's that little song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That's how you have a life filled with the Holy Spirit, and you benefit from all that that brings, the abundance that that brings. Trust and obey. It's not some mystery. All right, so yield, that's the, that's the big key there is, are we going to yield? Now, there is another uh, meaning to this, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that appears sometimes, and it has to do with being empowered for ministry. And so we see this in a, in a couple places. Um, Jesus, I think, is talking about this in Matthew 10, where he says, hey, you know, when they, when they deliver you over to the Gentiles and, and you're being cross-examined for your faith in Jesus Christ and threatened with imprisonment or death, don't, don't be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it's not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So I think Jesus is forecasting that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in those moments and you don't have to even prepare. God will fill you with uh, the words to say. Um, we are told about Stephen, one of, the, one of the deacons who obviously lived a life characterized as full, filled with the Spirit. But when it's describing that moment where Stephen is about to be stoned, and it says, and, full of the whole, and, and Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, saw a vision of Jesus in the heavens, right? Seems to be a, a unique uh, empowerment for ministry, and he then proclaims what he sees, and, and, and the Jews stone him, the first martyr. Uh, then there's this very interesting story in uh, Acts chapter 13. Barnabas and Saul, who later is called Paul, Barnabas and Saul are on the island of Crete. They've been sent there to do mission work, and they are, they've made it to the, uh, the city of Paphos, and there they encounter the, well, they are actually summoned by the Roman proconsul who wants to hear about uh, the word of God. He wants to hear about this Jesus. Well, in, in the governor's court was a Jewish magician who is described as a false prophet, um, and his name is Bar-Jesus, or another name for him is Elias. And uh, Elias is, is countering, he's opposing what Barnabas and Saul are sharing with 
the proconsul because he wants to dis- he does not want this Roman governor becoming a Christian. And so he's actively opposing the preaching of the gospel. And then we read this. This is Acts 13, 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. See that? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's describing there not just his general tenor in life, but the Spirit of God fills him powerfully in that moment for this ministry work. He looked directly at Elymas and said, O child of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And he says, you will be struck blind for a time. And that happens right then. Elymas is struck blind and, and it describes him going around trying to get somebody to lead him. And the proconsul sees this and becomes uh, a, a follower of Jesus because he sees, he's heard the gospel and now he sees a demonstration of power and it convinces him. Now, let me, so this, uh, this second meaning of filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with uh, being empowered for ministry. Now I have a super cool chart. And if you want this chart, I will email it to you. But that means you have to fill out a connect card and uh, put, or, you know, and put it in the, in the offering box or, or hand me a slip of paper with your email. It's up there on the chart. We're going to put it all together here. So, baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the purpose is it's for union with Christ. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. It, you, this, this act unites you with Christ and opens to you all that Christ has for you. Um, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, all Christians are. It's yes or no. Are you or aren't you? It's uh, irrevocable. Right? You're not baptized with the Holy Spirit one month and then not baptized at another. And it happens at the point of conversion. Now, filled with, filled with uh, the first meaning to be filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Some Christians are filled. Some Christians can be said to not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, to varying degrees, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit to a more or lesser degree. It can ebb and flow. In your life, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because you're yielded to Him this week and then not next week. And it comes to pass as we yield. That's, that's the trigger. Then the final, uh, filled with the Spirit in terms of ministry effectiveness, it has to do with power. The Spirit is empowering you to do some ministry. Some Christians can be filled uh, and some not. It's temporary. It's for the purpose of fulfilling a particular calling. It can be repeatable. And uh, it's as much as needed, right? As much as needed to accomplish. And it happens as we witness. All right. Focusing on that last line. If you, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, which you should want, but you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ and you know, made him Lord and Savior of your life, that's your next step. Get saved. Convert. Become a Christian. 
and you will be, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Biblical promise. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you want the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life more and more and more. You want a, you want a spiritual life that actually means something and matters and makes a difference in your life. You want to live the Christian life as it was meant to be lived. As we yield. That's your next step. Yield control of your life to the Holy Spirit. Do it now. Do it tomorrow. Do it every day of your life. And, and then this last one. It, you know, If you want God to work through you in a powerful way, you want to make a splash in the kingdom, you want to make a difference, do stuff that's going to resound for all eternity, it's, it, it comes about as we witness. Uh, Pastor Brian this week said, yeah, I would never fill a car with gas if I had no intention of driving it. <laughs> right? It, unless, you're, unless you're out there sharing the gospel, and that's the primary time that we see that. It might even be exclusive. The, but certainly the primary time we see people being filled with the Holy Spirit with power for ministry, it's when they're sharing the gospel. They're telling people about Jesus Christ. And, and God is in that. And he's with us in that. And he, he will fill us with his power so that that is effective. And so if you want to, have, you want to experience that, be on, be on mission. And put yourself in a place where... Uh, God needs to empower you so that it, it's effective, and he will. Life in the Spirit. It's, it's the way the Christian life is, be, is meant to be lived. Is there any question, as we've read Scripture, does God want you to live a life full of his Spirit? Absolutely. Right? No question. That is God's will for you. He wants you to live a life filled with his Holy Spirit. But you and I have a choice in the matter. Will we yield and will we be on mission? So right now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and just in the quietness of our own own heart. If you are the person who has never repented of his or her sins, you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's your clear next step. And aren't any magical words, you just, God sees your heart and you just say, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I turn from them. I don't want to do it anymore. Help me. And, and you say, God, I put my trust in Jesus. I, I, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of the God. And, and I, I want him uh, to save me. And I receive his death on the cross as payment for my sin and his resurrection from the dead is my great hope and I want in I want in I receive Jesus just please save me in Jesus God and you say that you mean it's best you know how and God will honor it he promises as many as receive him to them gave he the right to become the children of God you'll be saved and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Maybe you are a Christian, you know, okay, I am baptized with the Holy Spirit, but man, I am, I, I'm not sure I can say that my life is characterized as being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure what my, my parents would say of me or my friends would say of me or my spouse would say. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I doubt that. 
Well, then it's about yielding. It's about yielding. And, and with yielding, there can become moments and there can become definitive moments where we say, God, I surrender all. I surrender all. I don't want any more me. I want you in charge. God, I just, I give me up and my will up. And, and I want those sins that have just plagued me. I want rid of them. I want, oh, please get them out of my life. Help me overcome them. And th- those are critically important drive the stake in the ground moments in our lives. But the fact is they, they do need to be followed up then with the next day and the next day and moment by moment and hour by hour as those darn temptations keep coming and, the, and, and I'm tempted to just do what I've always done in order to feel good and in order to get my way and, and we just have to keep yielding to the will of the Spirit in our lives. And so... Drive that stake in the ground, surrender all, recommit to a life of yieldedness. And then it, it might be that you're saying, God, I don't see God use me to, to make any kind of a kingdom splash. I don't, I don't know when the last time I feel like I've actually contributed to the kingdom of God's expansion in the world. Well, get on mission. <laughs> Take risks. Start talking about Jesus with people. Pray for people. And then you will, you will begin to experience the power of God filling you for ministry effectiveness. And it's a wonderful thing. Lord, thank you for your word. It's so clarifying. It's so encouraging. It's so challenging. And God, we submit to it. We want a life more filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.